Well, good morning, church. If you have your Bibles, open up to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're just going to do just kind of a little one-off sermon today, and then we'll start our new series uh, next week when everybody's back kind of on a normal schedule. Um, many of you know I teach uh, some classes over at Corbin University, and the only way that I can really survive in that atmosphere uh, is because at a college level, the professors are allowed to kind of set their own rules. Uh, to a certain degree. In other words, if I put in the syllabus that uh, an assignment is due on September 3rd, um, that assignment is due on September 3rd, the administration can't come to me and say, Dave, you need to give everybody extra time, uh, which I hear that sometimes happens in our uh, lower grades. Uh, the administration says, no, you have to accept late work and stuff. And so in these college classes, we have a syllabus, and I love the syllabus. Um, I can put, I have to turn it into the administration, but it's, it's a working document. It's a, it's, a, it's a rule document. And I put everything in there. And I love it because college students are just like everybody else. And there'll be an assignment due and they'll come up to me and they'll go, oh, Professor Fields, I thought you said it was due next week. And I get to say, but the syllabus says it's due today. Or they'll say, but Professor Fields, my roommate said that we had an extra week. Sorry, the syllabus says. And you know, that authority of just going back to, did you read the syllabus? I actually make them sign something that says they read it, even though I know they didn't. <laughs> and so I go back to that, you told me you read it, you know. And so that, that rule to come back to that as a standard is so helpful. I want to talk um, today about the authority of Scripture and why it's important for us to read it on a regular basis. Now, those of you who know me go, you've preached this sermon before. Not this specific sermon, but I've been on this theme before. And as I was thinking about it this week, I thought, I felt apologetic. Like I should say, I'm sorry, I know that I, I'm no angel, but I harp on this a lot. You know, I, I know that I should maybe apologize for it, but you know, I can't. Because A, it's biblical. B, it's just practical. And my experience over and over again shows me the fruit of it. And so I, I'm not going to apologize for teaching something that I really think would be beneficial and life-changing for you. And uh, as we went through this year, and um, I don't, those of you who don't read God's word on a regular basis... I really don't know how you survived this year. I mean, good for you. But I'm shocked. Because I know how much I needed to lean into my regular rhythms of reading scripture, prayer, and talking about that with other people. For me, it's what kept me going. And so 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, we're just going to pick up in verse 10 and read through the end of the chapter um, I'm really just going to focus on verses 14 and following, but we'll just kind of get a little bit of background here. Paul uh, is writing to a young pastor who he brought up, and um, he, this is at the end of Paul's life. Second uh, Timothy is probably the last book that Paul wrote, and so he is facing um, persecution leading to death here probably uh, soon after completing Second Timothy, and he is giving some final points of encouragement to this young pastor who will follow. It says, you, how, however, 
have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Messiah Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with this sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Messiah Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, for every good work. I want to encourage you as we come to this passage to consider seven reasons why you should continue reading Scripture. Seven reasons to continue reading your Bible. The first is this. Sorry, I forgot, forgot the remote. God's word is informative. It's informative. In verse 14, Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have, what? Learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. God's word teaches us. And it teaches us several things. Um, first of all, it teaches us the story of God. This, when you put this whole thing together, we don't just look at this as some sort of operation manual. It's a story from the garden to the completion in the kingdom of God. And it shows us how God works and interacts with his creation. Scripture also teaches us the path of blessing. I'm going to jump back and forth from 2 Timothy to Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is this beautiful poetry that's written to give praise to the word of God, the laws of God, the decrees of God, the promises of God. And one of the interesting things about Psalm 119, and most of you who have been around know this, is it's an acrostic psalm. And what that means is it's written poetically in the Hebrew alphabet. And the writer of, of Psalm 119, he starts each little section and each verse begins with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then the next section with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, third, and so on. In fact, many of your Bibles have those marked out. And so where it says Aleph, that means that each verse... I think it's the first eight verses are all in that, start with that Hebrew letter. Now, why did the writer do that? Well, first of all, it's just a poetic form that was used during that time. 
So he's writing this poetically. But many people believe the reason the writer did this is to help you memorize it. That Psalm 119 was meant for you to put to memory. Now, some of you go, oh, Dave, I'm way past that. And that may be true. And I'm sorry that that ship has sailed, but just think of what was meant for you to have constantly on your mind. And so I I said here, God's worm is, is informative. It teaches us the path of blessing. Psalm 119, verses one and two, here's the first. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. They start with this idea is that when we are studying and learning God's here law in first verse and second, another word that uses for God's word is testimonies, that we're blessed. Now, we're blessed in so many different ways. God blesses us spiritually. God blesses us financially. God blesses us relationally. There's all these different things. But what God's word is saying is, look, it informs you on the way in which God is pleased with you and blesses you when you study and know God's word. It's simple. Now, if I said to you, there's a simple way for you to know how God brings blessing, wouldn't you want to know that? And here it is by knowing his laws, by knowing his testimonies. The the word of God teaches us, it's informative, and it teaches us the commandments of God. Now, there's all sorts of things in God's word. Sometimes it says, thus saith the Lord. And when it says, thus saith the Lord, you want to pay attention. And so Psalm 119 verse 6 says, then I shall not be put to shame having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. My eyes are fixed on your commandments. It teaches us how to stay out of the traps of the devil. Now that's pretty specific, but what Psalm 119 says is, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. For I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Having God's word available to us keeps us from sin. And we're going to see that again in 2 Timothy. And so I said here, I don't know how some of you who who have not in God's word on a regular basis made it through this past year. Here's Here's what the psalmist says. It says, my soul clings to the dust. Give me life, what? According to your word. It it brings life to us. And so for me, as I wrestled through the challenges of this past year, I needed to cling to this. I've never pastored through a pandemic. Never never led a church through this. I, I don't know how many times we've had to go back and read a a rule so that we figure out how to apply it here. I I don't know that there's ever been a year where I've had to make more decisions as a leader. I I don't know that I've ever felt as tired 
as I have felt this year. And I, I need to cling to God's word. Now, some of you who have been around the church long enough and you're, you're saying, I've heard these type of sermons before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should read God's word. I get it. It's just, I'm not a great reader and the Bible doesn't make sense to me and it just, you're just making me feel guilty, Dave. Let me just say a few things. First, just in the simple idea of God's word being informative, making us wise to salvation. You know, the interesting things, thing is, is those of you who say I don't read well and I don't really understand the Bible, studies actually show the more you read, the easier it becomes. It, it actually self-fixes the problem. And not knowing the Bible, the good solution to it is to actually read it. So actually doing what you're saying you don't want to do actually solves both the issues you just came up with. Now, I, I, I don't know that I can find a place where it says you have to read the Bible every day. But the more that I read Psalm 119, it certainly makes it, me understand that I need to be informed by it on a regular basis. And so I just think that this, this rhythm of reading God's word on a regular basis helps. And I've told this story before. Um, growing up, my grandparents were very important to me, and they raised me for a part, portion of my life. And in high school, I was living with my dad at the time, but in high school I had a youth pastor that was very, uh, very, um, not, not even just encouraging. Let me use that word. I almost used a negative word. Very encouraging about reading God's word on a regular basis. And so I worked through this, and in my senior year, uh, in a discipleship group, um, our youth pastor would break up a book of the Bible. We would read through it, usually in a month, and he would break up the little bits, and we would, we would read that daily reading, and then we would answer questions about observation, interpretation, application. We would share it in our groups. And I was a senior in high school. I, was, I, can, I can picture myself laying on the living room floor of my grandparents' house. I must have been just visiting. And I was doing my, my devotion for my discipleship group. And that day, the reading was from 1 Thessalonians. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that is, who are dead, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. And my observations, I mean, I was young and I, man, I, I wrote, I can't overly grieve when my grandparents die because I know they're going to heaven and I will see them again. And I, I wrote something for observation interpretation and that was my application that I, that I, need, I need to know where they're going and the grieving, not the grieving is bad, but not to overly grieve. And about nine months later, my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer. And probably a year and a half after that, he was gone. And I, I believe that God prepared me for that because I was faithful to regularly reading God's word and applying it to my life. Now, 
Could God have done that in a different way through a sermon or through a friend? Absolutely. But he met me in that place. I mean, just think of all the different things. I didn't live with my grandparents anymore, yet I was doing that devotion on their living room floor on that day that was designed to read that passage. It's just amazing to me how God works to inform us through his word. What I am not saying is that if you read the Bible, God will love you more. Please don't hear me say that. The gospel is that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you that your relationship might be restored. And in that restored relationship, God wants to inform you what that relationship looks like. So reason number one, God's word is informative. Second, and I'll move faster, God's word is transformational. He says you you continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing what you've learned, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with with sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's, There's a transformation that happened in Timothy's life. So where did Timothy get his start? If you flip over just a page or two to the first chapter of 2 Timothy, it says in verse five, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, speaking to Timothy, a faith that dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. He says, where did he get this firm foundation? He got it from his grandmother and his mother. What a fortunate young man. And then look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, speaking to Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men. So, so Timothy got his start through his grandmother and his mother and later through Paul. So let me ask you, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, do you know enough scripture to pass it on to the next generation. What if going to church on Sunday becomes illegal and you need to become the pastor of your house? Do you, what is the next generation going to look like if it's dependent on you? What if it's dependent on your kids? How much do you have to jump in there? See, God's word is transformational, but somebody has to share it. Somebody has to be be able to lead you through it. Third, God's word is sacred. It's not a word that we use uh, very often. And and here, uh, the word um, in the ESV, verse 15, is sacred writings. Um, Some translations might use the word holy. Uh, So what, what what is it about this book that is sacred or holy. Um, First of all, it points to the one that is holy. Um, You can go back and read it later, but in Luke chapter 24, after Christ's resurrection on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking with the disciples who don't recognize him, he he goes back and it says, through the, the law and the prophets and the writings, what he's saying is through the whole three parts of the Old Testament, he showed them about the Messiah. In other words, this whole book is about Jesus. It points us to Jesus. That's what makes it sacred or holy. But what he is saying here is that this book is actually set apart. 
It's different. It's special. It's of higher value than other things. You know, and I'm pushing, and I think that's my role, so I'm okay with it. But in the last two weeks, how much news did you watch, listen to, or read? How much time did you spend in Scripture? And if one is more than the other, then what's actually informing your actions? How much sports? How many many books that aren't of spiritual value, or even that are? What gets our time and our energy? This book, and according to our doctrinal statement here at Hillsborough First Baptist Church, and according to our values, this is our authority. This is what leads us and guides us. And so what actually amazes me, and I, again, I'm not going to apologize, and if you're a leader, you need to listen to this, it amazes me how many church leaders aren't spending regular time in Scripture. What are we making our decisions based on? This this is our authority. It has to come back to this. This has to be valued and sacred. Now, some of you grew up in that somehow this binding and pages were sacred. That this, this actual book was somehow special. And I remember... Uh, when, the, when the NIVs came out, at least in our circle, and, and at least came out for Baptists. And my, my grandfather had a new Bible that was easier to read, and I wanted one. And I was still in elementary school, and I remember him giving me that Bible. I still have it. And I was so excited. And my grandfather said, what? What, I guess, anytime you get something that's worth a little bit, he said, be careful with it. I don't know why. But I was excited about the Bible, and I ran to the car to go to church that Sunday. I tripped, and the Bible slid across the driveway and had marks all down the front of it, and I cried because I had damaged the Word of God. This isn't holy in and of itself. The original writings of Scripture are sacred. We don't have those. We have very good copies and we have composed very close facsimile to what those things, words actually said, and so we believe them to be authoritative to us. We have to be careful with that. Let's not, let's not make a Bible or a version of the Bible sacred. Okay? God's word is sacred, and so we're careful with that. Um, God's word is inspired. In fact, the words that the ESV here used that God actually breathed them out. He used uh, human writers and their personalities and their backgrounds, um, and he melded those together into uh, the words of God so that these are the, the word. We say this is the word of God. Now, when we read this, we read it with a historical mindset. We read it understanding the cultures were different. We read it normative, which means we understand that there's uh, genres, you know, there's there's poetry, there's narrative, there's discourse, 
We recognize that. We recognize that it was written in different languages and we need to go back and understand the different languages. So we, we come to this going, this is the word of God, but we, we also understand that it's written in a book form. The Bible is God's word to us. If God was, and I hear so many, I just wish God would speak to me. And here's one way in which he is speaking to you. Um, start here. This is, as a church, this is our authority. And so we say, this is what we base what we do on and, and our things. And I just, it's amazing to me how many people are just coming to me and go, well, I just, I don't believe what the church believes anymore because it's just not culturally relative or it doesn't feel right to me or I don't think God would want us to do that. And look, I'm okay, let's go to the book. What does God actually say? Well, I don't know if we can be so sure that that's what God meant. Okay, it's still willing to have the conversation with you. Why? Historically? Culturally? Is there something about the language I don't understand? No, I just, it just seems so antiquated. Look, God is the same today, yesterday, and always. This is his word. And we, we need to follow it. All scripture, Paul says here, is a reminder to Timothy. He says, all scripture is inspired or breathed out by God. And he says, it is, verse 16, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. These are God's inspired words. All scripture teaches. It teaches us. Man, so many things. It's the basis. This is, it's informative. All scripture reproves. And I, I don't use that word very, very much. Um, I probably do it a lot as a college professor. But let me just kind of try to Help, help those, especially younger ones, kind of understand this word. Uh, you've been reproved. You don't like it. Um, you know, it's, it's when mom and dad comes and says, um, I told you to empty the dishwasher. You did not empty the dishwasher. That's a reproof. And so what, what reprove means is it means it points out wrongdoings. In other words, it... it goes into our motives, our actions, and uh, it, it makes corrections. Now, I don't know if you've ever read God's word and said, hmm, I don't know if I do that or not. What does that mean? And you've had to wrestle with it. I've done that. And nobody wants to enter into a reproof relationship, but they're necessary. It points out wrong teaching. It, it points out wrong, um, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble. There we go. All scripture reproves. We'll stay there. Crux. Boy, I'm really struggling here, sorry. I am lost, let's stay there. It points out wrong actions and it points out wrong attitudes. And, and that's so necessary. Um, the culture today just wants to say, you know what, just be you. You're, that's just the way you are. They'll even say God made you that way. And if you're being a jerk, 
it's not the way God made you. There's some correction needed. If you're being selfish, it's not the way that God made you. It's the way the world made you. And so, look, what Scripture is saying is that there's a way of looking at the world that is God-oriented, and there's a way that's looking at the world that's man-oriented. And Scripture constantly is reproving us to get back to the way that God wants us to view things. All Scripture corrects. So he says it... it, um, It teaches, it reproves, and then it corrects. So if here's the wrong action, the correct is is putting us on the right path. That's not what you're supposed to do. So here's the right path in which you're supposed to be on. And in parenting, Janine and I called this giving the moral reason why. If if I just say to my kids, if I just say to my kids, um, don't walk across somebody's front lawn before you enter the house. You know, you're visiting, we're visiting the Claussons, and I would say, don't run across their front lawn. Now, in the Pacific Northwest, the reason why we say that is because your feet get all wet and you're tracking that into their house. That's part of the reason why. But why is that a problem? Why, why even teach that to our kids? Because we're teaching them to respect the Claussons' house. See, if we just say don't do this, but don't give the correction and the reason why we should do something, all we've done is given our kids a bunch of lists of things. And Scripture actually gives us the reason why we should do things correctly. It's usually for others or for the glory of God. And then finally, all Scripture trains. It it not only corrects us on the right path, but it trains us how to stay on that path. Now again, it doesn't say here, therefore read the Bible every day. But if the Bible is teaching, correcting, or reproving, correcting, and training us, that's a process that we need to go through. And the best way to do that is to have regular rhythms in which you're entering into that path. Now, I probably should have started this one, but he says here um, that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. If I, if I should have started the sermon, here's something that's profitable to you. Yeah, it's profitable. In other words, and, and, and maybe another other translation, it's useful. Let me give you just a few more words from Psalm 119. Here's some ways in which God's word is useful. Psalm 119, verses 36 and 37. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Now, why would God need to incline my heart towards his testimonies and not selfish gain? The psalmist is kind of telling you something about yourself. Where is your heart normally? It's towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Oh, it's just a great verse. We should all probably have that above our TVs. Here's another one. Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Have you ever had that person who's like, why do you believe that? How can you believe that junk? What is it you believe? Does your church say this? And you go, ah. God's word actually helps you answer those questions. Here's another one from verses 49 through 50. Remember your word to your servant. In other words, here's some of the things that you promise in your word, God, in which you have made me hope. These are things that 
that I am looking forward to. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your promises give me life. When you are, when you are feeling afflicted at work, relationally, in the pandemic, we look to the promises of God to get us through those things. It's profitable. This is useful stuff. Just a couple more. God's word is fulfilling. That is, it completes us. It, it, it helps us in this process of being transformed. Here's Psalm 119, verses 65 through 68. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. <laughs> Again, why does the psalmist ask to be taught good judgment and knowledge? Because it's not, it doesn't come naturally. For I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. This is a part of Hebrew poetry where the poet uses a contrast between the first line and the second line. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But when I, when I go through affliction according to your word, oh, something different happens. You are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes. God's word completes us. It brings us through things. And then finally, God's word equips us. He says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, okay, there's that fulfilling, equipped for every good work. It equips us to do what God has called us to do. Really uh, loved this verse from Psalm 119, 73. Your hands have made and fashioned me. That's the first line in the Hebrew poetry. So then we go to the second line, which is going to inform us more about the first. Give me understanding. Understanding to what? What, is, what understanding is the psalmist looking for? If we look at the first line, specifically, he is looking for the way that God has made him and fashioned him. That's what understanding he's looking for. The way that God has fashioned him, made him that I might learn your commandments. God's word recognizes our difference, callings, abilities, and giftings. And he fashions all of us according to his sovereign will, and he teaches all of us according to his word. For you to say, man, I just don't understand the Bible. The Bible is hard for me to read. You're missing God's very words for you. So, some application and action. I want to invite you to join us as we read God's Word. For the last couple of years, uh, we have been doing a, a reading program here at the church. And uh, that reading program is set to uh, read through the New Testament and Psalms every year. And the Old Testament uh, over two years. Uh, we just completed our second cycle. We've been doing it for four years. We just finished, if you've been doing that... You have read through the Old Testament twice and the New Testament four times in the last four years. Good for you. Um, that's awesome. And so we invite you to join us on that. And what we've done is we've printed out the reading programs and we've put them out there. Uh, we're cheating this year. Um, this, is the, this is the full um, one-year reading plan where you read through the Old Testament in one year. 
and the New Testament and Psalms twice in the year. And this has been broken up into a two-year program. So if you want to continue on just reading uh, the Old Testament, if you want to do the, the easier form, that that's, that's what you've been doing and it's working for you, um, I'm printing out the whole thing. It's out there. It's on our website. And if you want to just keep with that, you just do the first two on here. The first two all the way through it, and you'll, and you'll get through that. Um, and it has, which I just love. I just love this. It has little boxes for checking. I love checking. I love checking things off. It helps me so much. Um, this last year, uh, I did the full um, one year. Here's my reading list with all my checks. I just love it. And so I will, um, in uh, four days, uh, complete reading through the Old Testament one time and the New Testament and Psalms twice. I read the Psalms an extra time, so three times. And I have to say, after doing the other one, it wasn't that hard to add the, the other two chapters. I, I would like to tell you it was really a challenge, but it really wasn't at all. It was actually a joy. And so I really enjoyed it this year. My discipleship group got a little annoyed for me because I kept going, well, we read this week, and they're like, no, we didn't, you did. But um, so that's really helpful. Um, this reading program uh, was written many years ago by Robert Murray Machane. The two-year program, D.A. Carson split that up, and that's the one we've been using. There's a slight difference in the two, but it'll work. Um, the Gospel Coalition, which is a website, the Gospel Coalition, um, they offered this last year, this reading through the Bible in a year. And they had a thing where you could sign up online, um, and they would send you newsletters and little devotionals. I, I hardly ever used it, except that some days I wouldn't have my reading list with me, and i go, well, what's the reading today? And I could just easily click it. And on Christmas morning, I was sitting in my chair, and my puppy fell asleep in my lap, which means that I was going to get about 20 minutes of peace. My wife was taking a shower, and I wanted to do my Bible reading, but my Bible was in the bedroom, and I wasn't disturbing the puppy. And so I said, oh yeah, they send me the reading every, every day, and I want to share this with you guys. I don't normally do this. So because I signed up on the website, if you go to the Gospel Coalition, if you scan down their thing, you'll see read the Bible. And it says, join us. And there's a bunch of, for some of you older people, there's a bunch of symbols that you won't recognize because you're not on Twitter and you're not on TikTok and all this stuff. So don't worry about those. But there's one that looks like a little envelope. And if you click on that envelope, they will sign you up for their email newsletter. And every day they'll send you the Bible reading. It comes right to your email. And so I clicked on it. So here's mine. And I click on it. Uh, read today's passages, and it goes right to this little section, and um, it says here, the reading for today is from, uh, for the full reading is from 2 Chronicles 32, and, um, and then it has a devotion on one of the chapters, but if I click on 2 Chronicles 32, and here's what, I was amazed, I can read it, there's the passage, I can also just push play. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. And it'll read it to me. And so if you're going to tell me you can't read very well, I'm going to say, get the app. <laughs> Man, listen to it on your way to work. Now, unfortunately, on that one, you have to click through the different passages, but it's not that hard. And so I just sat in my chair and listened to God's word. I don't normally do it that way. I like to read and I like to mark, but that was very helpful for me. So um, A, very easy. B, if you're even a little tech savvy, you can just have them read it to you. 
So uh, join us together in either the full reading through the whole Bible in a year or, or halfway through, and I think that way is good too. So join us. Second, um, you know, it just helps sometimes if you journal something that you're learning. Our memories are not that great. And so I told you, I, I grew up in an um, environment where we were really encouraged to read God's word on a daily basis, and we had these observations, interpretations. So then we'd go to youth group, and my youth pastor would always say, how many times did you read? And I remember, I was a junior, and I was in the, the youth pastor's discipleship group. I had moved up. And I said, I read every day, but I didn't write anything down. And he, so he said, well, what do you have to share today, Dave? I didn't have anything to share. There's something about just writing down, even if it's just once a week. What is God saying? How am I applying this to my life? It just helps to write it down. Um, and then third, um, I would just encourage you maybe to stretch yourself a little bit. Uh, join a small group. Join a, a discipleship uh, group. Um, there's some really, take a class. Um, Western Seminary has some very cheap $10 to $12 classes you can take online with their professors. And they have a list of topics. Everything from ministry to books of the Bible. Um, and they keep adding to them. And it, honestly, I think at $12, $14, not much more than that. And you just, they have notes. They have little quizzes you can take or not take. Um, and you, you just get to sit and just challenge yourself to go a little bit deeper in a topic. Uh, it's called the uh, Center for Leadership Development, CLD. You've heard us use that around here. Some of our small groups have done it. They're really easy to take. And um, if you're in a small group and you want to use it, you have to, we can help you with that. We can set you up for a group to do it. It costs maybe people have to pitch in a little bit or the church will pay for it. But the great part is people can watch the video before they come to small group, and then you can just discuss it, just talk about it. You can do it as a family. Uh, so many great things there. So my, my application, join us as we read God's word together again in 2021. Um, take some time to journal some of the things that you're learning so that you can share it with your small group or discipleship group or pastor. And then um, stretch yourself a little bit. Take a class, read a book, join a small group, do something where you can dig a little bit deeper. Um, if you're a leader, um, you are doing this. It's just a matter of whether you're doing it um, and, or coming to, to leadership meetings and pretending like you've done it. This is, you have to. Like, we can't lead without it. If, if, you're a, if you've been a Christian for a long time and you're going, Dave, it's too late for me, I just say, God still has you here. He probably still has something for you to do. So be in God's word. Let it transform you and change you. It's profitable. It's useful. It'll correct you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the challenges of being in your word. I pray that we would be a church that is just informed by scripture and transformed by scripture. Pray that you would be glorified in the way that we repent of our wrong thinking and wrong actions and wrong attitudes. I pray that you'd be glorified as we speak truth to other people in our small groups and in our church. I pray that you would be glorified as we make decisions that lead us to make disciples, that lead us to glorify God, that lead us to real worship and learning and growth and transformation and dependence on your spirit. So God, I just pray that we would be in this next year so informed by your Bible, that your word to us, that, that we would be known for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.